0: Hey friends, welcome back to Rewildology, the show all about conservation, travel, and rewilding the planet. I'm your host, Brooke Mitchell Norman, conservation biologist and adventure traveler. Did you have a childhood experience that set off your life's path? What was that moment? Were you at home exploring your family's woods and discovered your connection with nature? Were you on a trip abroad and exposed to a phenomenon that deeply moved you? Maybe your moment happened in college and a professor said something that completely changed your perspective. When did you know that you wanted to do what you're pursuing? Today's guest, Pedro Fouet, vividly remembers the exact moment that he decided to study and protect dolphins as his life's mission. Surfing off of the coast of Casino Beach in southern Brazil, Pedro encountered bottlenose dolphins for the first time and fell in love with the species. Casino Beach has a culture focused on ocean conservation, and every summer that his family visited the area, his love for the ocean grew. He later received his PhD in biological oceanography, and with the help of his colleagues, he determined that the bottlenose dolphins he swam with as a kid was their own subspecies, the Lahiel's bottlenose dolphin. Through his studies, Pedro discovered that only 600 individuals currently exist in the population. Now he's focusing his attention on the local community to reduce bycatch, the species' number one threat. Pedro is a 2021 Whitley Award recipient, which is how I met him. The Whitley Fund for Nature provides support and training to grassroots conservation projects around the world. The Sir David Attenborough is a WFN trustee, which just shows you how prestigious this organization is. If you have a grassroots conservation project that needs funding, I highly recommend checking out WhitleyAward.org and apply for one of their grants. I loved my conversation with Pedro, and I'm very excited to share his story with you all. I'm thinking we might need to get a group of us together to visit Pedro and Casino Beach. COVID ruined my trip to the Pantanal, so I'm looking for any excuse to travel to Brazil. Who wants to go with me? Send me a DM on Instagram. If you're up for a South American trip, maybe I'll just have to put one together. If you're liking this show and have a free moment, subscribe to this show so that you never miss a future episode. And give the show a rating and review wherever you're listening. If you'd like to join a community of other awesome conservation minded folks, join the Rewildologist Community Facebook group by clicking in the link in the show notes or searching for Rewildologist. Alrighty, everyone, now on to my conversation with Pedro. Thank you so much, Pedro, for coming on and visiting me today virtually in Brazil um, (laughs) to join on Rewildology. So, I love to start really painting a picture of who you are. So let's go back in time and explore some of your history. When did you know that you wanted to go into wildlife conservation?
1: Yes, well, that's a good question. And uh, I, I am connected with, um, with the marine life and the wild since I, since I was a child. Um, I grew up in, in, a, in a city that's the capital of the state in South Brazil. It's relatively far from the sea, but my uh, every summer, I my family travel to the coast, to the Casino Beach, for spending holidays on the coast. And um, every summer, my mom, my father, and and all people around uh, all the time make me uh, feel very very positive and connected with, with the beach and the marine life. So I I started I started to to, to surf when I was uh, 12 years old, and uh, during this, uh, this uh, surf session, I had my first contact with bottlenose uh, with Dolphins, and then in this makes me uh, much, much more connected with the wildlife. Uh, on the other hand, this uh, casino beach, we have a university that has uh, the curse of oceanography. It's the oldest been the first course of uh, oceanography in Brazil so wow. we have we have a culture here about all this uh, the, the protection of the marine environment and will, and on the coast we have many NGOs that were funded by people uh, that uh, for oceanograph- oceanographers and uh, and this makes a culture of uh, of conservation biology here mm. when i was 8, eight years old I did a course, a summer course with these guys in the NGO called NEMA, that is in Portuguese, Núcleo de Educação e Monitoramento Ambiental. And I, I, it was so good, so good that I repeated it for um, four, four times, wow. uh, every, every, every summer. And, and this course was 20 hours, of course, with, uh, with children, so with uh, young people, to understand the, the, the ecology of the beach and the interactions between the marine life and people, to explain the process regarding uh, the ocean and, and the marine life, and I was so, so happy with this and spent all this time there. so it was some uh, it was not only uh, one, one thing that makes me to decide to move on on the conservation bio- biology but it was many things that happened in my life when i was young i had a neighbor uh, i have a, some neighbors that they are um, professors on the university on the oceanography wow. and these guys they all the time was explaining my uh, to me the process of, uh, about the uh, all my my curiosity is about the ocean and, and the weather and 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 storming and and, and why these storms happening and and this and this all this facts so it's this all these three forces I, I would say it was this uh, the ngo uh, training when i was young my family and and the na- and my neighbor no. <laughs> that, that that is a, a I, I would say that his name is um, Professor Norton Wijanaka. Wow. So this is when I was young. After that I I and I have uh, this connection with the dolphins with the with Baranas dolphins, the Lahill Baranas dolphins. And I think that was on that time that when I was maybe 14 16 years old I decided I I want to to make the difference and uh, to to prevent all this uh, beautiful ecosystem to, 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 de- to de- de- degrade, degradate, or to be polluted, and for these animals to, to decline. And after that, I, I met one guy when I was on the university, when I was cursing the biology, the, the biology course. I have the opportunity to know Laura Barcelos, that is the director of the Oceanographic Museum. That's part of the federal university that's based on Rio Grande City. And this guy helps me a lot. He, he is the man, my mentor. He's um, opened the doors for me for, this, for science, for conservation planning. And then all the time helped me, helped me to, with uh, all his forces to, to make me a better person and a better scientist and uh, and yeah, this is in very 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 brief. It's a little bit of my story on how I I am here today to and talking to you yeah. about, this, about my professional life.
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, what were your degrees in? Did you end up getting your PhD or your master's or your bachelor's? Um, so what was your like educational stepping stones?
1: Yes. No, I am a biologist. After my bachelor, I I did a master degree at the Federal University here in Rio Grande in biological oceanography. And after that, I did my PhD in biological oceanography as well, in the same university, but I, I did my PhD in a co program that is part of my PhD was here in Brazil and part was in Australia. In South oh, wow. Australia at Flinders University that I spent one year... Doing some genetic studies on there, and uh, and this is uh, like the, my my degrees uh, story. Yeah, I was just just to let you know, I was uh, as I was in a postdoc position last year, in um, developing some conservation projects with citations that they are my the reason to be here <laughs> to to do the conservation, and but now I am um, I have a position. On the, um, I'm not sure how to mention this in English, but it's uh, the uh, secretary of environment of this of the city, of Utrecht city. Wow. So, yes, and so now it's, now it's this is what's going on now.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> and, wonderful. So it sounds yeah. like you're going to have a major impact. Then, so you're part of like the government now, like the local government. Did I interpret that correctly?
1: Yes. Wow. Yes. 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 Thank you for, yeah. trans- for translating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I got you, I got you, no, that yes. was perfect, that was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. So as I was re-watching that beautiful presentation that was put on your work, when did you discover that the Lejil's barnos Dolphin was its own subspecies? How did you figure that out?
1: Yes, well in fact it was not only me, I'm just part of this process, this is very important to make clear. It, uh, saw, colleagues it was a, a, a pieces of a big puzzle and i i was part of this publishing one paper on genetics but i have some other colleagues that they are taxonomists and they and, and they published a paper showing that morphologically these animals were um, completely different from varanus dolphin selcear or wow. the, the, the oceanic varanus dolphins and of and using the, the genetic the genetics study that i i have published in the past in 2014 and then after another one in 2017 eh, the information was used to make strong these evidences mm. then sum mm-hmm. uh, on and to on this puzzle and it's, um, so now it's accepted by the by the, the the committee on taxonomy from the society for marine mammalogy as a, a subspecies but in brazil uh, the government uh, accept this as different species, and uh, they published it, it was paper in, in by, by my by our colleagues. Um, it was published in the Journal of Mammalogy, and uh, they published it call, calling for uh, dif- a different species and not a subspecies.
0: Oh wow But this
1: is just a taxonomy. Uh, I think that the the point is they are a different entity. they function as a different entity that's completely isolated, reproductively speaking, genetically speaking, and morphologically speaking, from the adjacent populations of Boranos dolphins here. And they behave very different as well. They have uh, specific behaviors that is associated to to the coastal areas. They go inside the estuaries, and the distribution is very, very short. It's uh, only between southern Brazil and Argentina. And 90% of the sightings of these species are um are very close to the coast. They're mm. very, very close on within the one one mi- uh, nautical mine, I would say. So they're very, very coastal animals. And this makes them very vulnerable as well.
0: Mm. <laughs> and so that so that that's the perfect segue. Um So it sounds like then they're coming probably in a lot of conflict with humans then if they're constantly on the coast. So in your research and your colleagues' research, what have you found has been some of the biggest threats to these dolphins?
1: Well, there are several threats for dolphins that are living on the very close to the humans. Uh, As we are, as human beings, we, of course, we we need to develop. We need to do some uh, constructions, uh, industries, and people need to fish, and all these um, have some kind of threat for for this coastal animals, pollution as well. But today, I would say that the most uh, acute threat that we have is the bycatch on the the gillnets, and and on the artisanal gillnet, I uh, would say. And um, some dolphins die uh, every year from being captured, on, this, on the units, The numbers are not huge because the population are not huge. The population is very, very small. Talking, just thinking about the whole subspecies, we estimate it's, it's rough but it's the estimate that you have today. It's, it's rough, but the numbers are less than 600 animals alive.
0: Wow, that's insane.
1: Yes, and um, here in Casino Beach, where I am based on, we have that's it's part of the Pat's Lagoon. We have the Pat's Lagoon estuary. That's the world's chocolate lagoon, and and uh, the coastal areas we have the largest population of Rios bottlenose dolphins. It's some it's a resident population that use the the estuary on a daily basis, and we have another coastal population that are just going, that do not use the estuarine waters stay on the coastal area and they are different uh, different populations in, in terms of uh, the the animals that compose each one of these units. And you have uh, considering the estuarine population of La Hills, Bananas Dolphins in the coastal one, here we have about 100 120 animals, and this is the largest population for the whole subspecies. We have made two, um, I record a record of uh, six animals being captured every year. This Oof. is the minimum estimate. And this, the number sounds very, oh, but it's not a large number. But the, the problem is that the population, so is very, very small and having two captures in fishing nets every year, Removing animals from the population, as these, uh, the, as the La Jiusbarnaos dolphins, us almost all cetaceans are very slow-growing and is uh, slow reproducing. They don't have the um, the capacity to replant, to to, to re- how do you say this? Replenish uh, or replace? replenish, yeah. Yeah. Or, re- or replace this uh, the the numbers that are being by mm. So we face a very acute threat that potentially is is affecting the population to decline in a medium term and for sure if this if the fisheries change the area or change the um, change the effort this can be very the 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 numbers can be uh, much um, higher than than six animals so the f- fisheries, they are very, very dynamics, you know, and this is something that that uh, we should uh, be monitoring in close detail to detect any change in fisheries and in numbers of dolphins being, being, uh, being caught and how this is affecting the population dynamics as well. So mm-hmm. this is why we are, we are monitoring these animals since 1974. That is the first uh, effort that you have for for the research with this population?
0: Wow, that's amazing and so since you you all have identified that bycot dolphins or just bycatch in general is one of the biggest threats to them, so how do you engage? I would imagine it's the local fishermen or if there's more of a commercial fisherman or industry there how do you engage them into this conversation like what do they think about all of this do they care about the dolphins or in your experience how, how do you help solve that
1: yes is um this is a good question and this is why the weekly awards is so important on the, on this time i am a, as i said before i i am a scientist and and doing science is of course that's very very important step but what we have uh, detected in the last uh, in the last decade maybe is that uh, only doing science and publishing the papers is not enough to protect the animals as we have a social problem together and it's uh, it's very hard to to convince people the people that are giving money, that uh, that we should look for the social approach to, together with the science based on. because the most uh, part of charities of people that are giving money for research, they do they just give for the research. They do not give for social science together with the mm-hmm. research that the monitoring that we are doing with dolphins. It's normally they do money for do surveys and do more surveys. And this is again why the, the the Whitley Awards is so so important at this time. We have established with all this data that we are collecting for the last twenty years, we have the Brazilian government have established a, a, a protected zone for the bottlenose dolphins here in southern Brazil, where we have the largest population of lactose bottlenose dolphins. The the fishery was banned from this area, and uh, in two thousand twelve, but to be to to start it. Like it's a paper problem. It's it was approved in 2012, but in, during two years the fishermen should have the, uh, the all the information. So between 2012 and 2014, it was only at the process to inform people and ta ta ta. So the um, protected area should be uh, start starting on 2014. Mm. But since then, we, we, have, star, uh, we have seen that um, the, the protected area is not working. Oh. Because the animals are still dying on the protected area. They are, they are fishing in there. The, the, the fishermen are still fishing. Of course, that it's, it's not all these fishermen that is not uh, respecting. So what you have today is we have a protected area for the animals. But we have people fishing illegally inside. We have um, the public power um, doing enforcement. That's that's not enough, arresting people. So it's a social conflict, and the and the environmental problem, the conservation problem, persists all on, on, on the time. And uh, and our question was, uh, why this is happening? Mm-hmm. Why? why we are failing to protect these animals as we helped this, uh, the protected area establish it by the federal government and why they are disrespecting and we started to interview some fishermen and they it was so clear on, on this uh, it was very preliminary study that there was no no social study with the fishermen when the protected area was created it, oh. was a it, it was as a, a, we call here a top-down decision making, mm. and and so and the government uh, failed to to approach the, the, the fishermen and to and to consider this uh, this the, all this community as part of the process, and this is uh, why it's not working. So the weekly award with this project that we we approved now, it's the chance to bring people together for the process. We, one of the, the, I would say, the general aim of the project is to work, to monitor the dolphin population, to see what's going on with with the population dynamics. But the most important is, we're gonna interview the fishermen. So we're gonna interview the institutions that are That are part of this of the law uh, to 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 build the laws here, why how they are communicated with each other, how they are communicated with the fishermen, and after to uh, and 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 identifying the gaps, the communication gaps, Mm -hmm. and and have all the 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 knowledge of the fishermen to bring them to the process and make making these people part of the decision to find a common solution. This is something that's very hard to do, but the community respond, responded in, in this preliminary study very well. They, and why they will contribute? I think that this is your question, and uh, I sh- that I should place my answer. is because they claim to be part of the process, because they feel that they were ignored. They yeah. Are, very happy, happy to contribute, to be part of the solution. And, and, and it's, a, it's a very, very challenging uh, project, I would say, because it's much easier to work only with dolphins, <laughs> watching the population dynamics, to uh, an, analyzing data and writing papers in the, on, on the office, with your door closed. It's much harder much much harder to go outside to listen to people to identify the gaps to, to identify opportunities to share experience and then make the, uh, all, all this all this data together and say okay so with this how can we do how can you conserve the population of bottlenose dolphins and other endangered species and at the same time, allow the fishing to fish here, the, to the fisheries to develop as well. And this is very, very challenging. So we are, this is the way we are putting our energy right now.
0: Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this seems to be such a common theme when areas are... Quote unquote protected. They are now just a swath of land or piece of ocean that is now protected under the government, but not all stakeholders were brought into the conversation. And so then somebody is left out, somebody is hurt by this piece of land being protected. And then, I mean, there's so many issues that can arise with that. And we see that all over the world. You know, some people have to move out of their homes and out of their ancestral land because a national park is being established and um, sometimes they're not treated fairly. And it sounds like one of the most important stakeholders in this situation, the fisherman, was completely left out of the conversation. So that is wonderful to hear that they are Excited and willing to talk to you, because in a lot of other situations that sometimes isn't the case, or maybe they might just be so upset that um, that they don't even want to talk to anybody. So the fact that somebody's finally listening to them sounds like it's going to hopefully go well <laughs> in your <Exactly>. experience.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's. Uh, I think that it's for professionally for the fishermen it's better to be part of the process and to find a solution because the days because nowadays uh, this activity has been it's not easy because they should move to much far away to fish because the area is closed because some some fishermen are being arrested and they are not live in and you know when we see this kind of situation we just feel that we fail because this this is not right it's not fair and um, we should we should think different because they are artisanal fishers
0: Mm.
1: they're not from the industries as well uh, that um, and um, yes i think that's challenging but you know i'm very positive that uh, that we can do it that you can find a common solution or a better solution and when I'm saying this is that I can't say that the bycatch will be zero. This is something very, uh, very hard to, uh, to, to say. But is that, okay, maybe the bycatch will occur, but you should reduce the bycatch for, at the sustainable levels. And the, the bycatch is not sustainable anymore. Because if you say, I would set a zero bycatch quota, let's say, it's uh, it's not possible to achieve in medium term. Oh, yes, you can do it. Just say you cannot fish here and, uh, anymore. And this is not the case. Uh, we should just find to a uh, solution to re- re- reduce the pressure on the population. And uh, and, and better, if you reduce the, uh, all this pressure on, on, on the La Rios Baranos dolphins with the fisheries, there are several other species that are uh, that are threatened. That will benefit for for this. Uh, it's uh, how you say it. Some
0: an umbrella big, species.
1: Uh, it's umbrella species. Yes, it's umbrella species. And and the the ecosystem here, the Patz Lagoon estuary, it's very very important for the fishermen, for the society as a whole. And uh, I think that we have a very good opportunity to to make the difference.
0: Mm. It sounds like it. I mean just like in so many other places around the world, like these fishermen could potentially become your biggest ally. I mean, they are the ones that are on the water every single day. And as much as like, you know, a scientist would love to be around our species every single day, you could have a whole fleet of people out there that are your eyes and ears that are also watching the population. So not only could, you know, things, the the social situation be leveled out, they could be brought into your research. And I mean, I don't know if you have any plans about that. But, you know, me, I've studied a lot of just human wildlife conflict around big cats. And some of those common areas, it's, you know, with poaching and bushmeat snare issues that are happening with that. And some of those people that are Engaging in those activities could be the biggest allies because they know the wildlife best. And so if you become best friends with these fishermen, I mean who knows? You might have like the best citizen scientists yes. out on the water with you as well.
1: <laughs> no, yes, I think that uh, step by step. Yes. Uh, the 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 first <laughs> it's, uh, No, the first step is to have it's it's to understand their needs. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. This is what we, we're going to do now. For sure that this will uh, approach to, to the fishermen community much more than, than we are today. We, we, we're going to stay very, very close with, the, with, this, uh, the, with these people. We are developing um, a mobile uh, application. Uh, this is part of the project that is financed by the Whitley uh, Fund for Nature. Uh, to, first, to monitor, to, to ask people from the community to monitor the illegal, illegal fishing. And a second one, to, uh, if possible, we are now uh, talking with these guys that will develop the, 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 the mobile OTP to, uh, to ask to the fishermen to have, to to give the, the opportunity for the fishermen to be part of our project and uh, adding some information about the dolphins as you said before your comment was very very uh, very good to say that become the the, the friend of the fishermen and if the fishermen can can be part of your project or, or and contribute for science and and this is what we are. Uh, facing now, we, we have this, uh, this challenge to make this, this mobile application for, for these fishermen. It's, a, it's an interface to start the, the process of fishermen's feel more uh, part of this, all, all the, the, the research and the conservation process that you're doing. Mm.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun and that the potential is so high for some really amazing things to come out of it. Um, Having all these eyes and ears on the water that can help you. (laughs) So uh, what about the rest of the community? Um, So I know we've talked a lot about fishermen. Um, What about everybody else that's in this area? How do you plan on engaging them and what has been their reaction so far to the idea of having this project come in?
1: No, yes. The the community, uh, in general, they are uh, vibrant with with the Wheatley Fund for Nature support. You know, Um, just to make part of a foundation that has given uh, 18 million pounds to more than 200 grassroots conservationists and benefiting wildlife, habitats, and communities in over 80 countries. So now you're part of this and this is uh, people here. They are very, very happy and uh, they are responding very positive. But for engaged people, that is um, more specific to your question. We plan to, to give some, uh, to train, to give some training for teachers, for the community, to act as a multipliers of knowledge. And uh, in, on this course, we're going to show the importance of uh, conserve the, the, the coastal ecosystems, how they can benefit, how the conservation will benefit their lives in the future. And in fact, we are planning to train three kinds, three different groups of, uh, of people. That is the teachers, is the um, uh, uh, w- women from the fishermen community, mm. And, and, uh, and other locals that, the, the, that that deal with tourism here, that receive people. Because, you know, here we have a jet, two uh, jetties that goes four kilometers to the sea. And these jetties have some rails and some cars that just sli- slice, yeah. how do you say this in English? Just go to these rails with wind. They call, we call vagonetas, that's the vagoons or something like that. I can show you <laughs> okay. it's, Almost it's, like a big. it's not easy to explain English, but yeah, it's uh, like a, <laughs> so like a catamaran
0: go... or like a big, like, um, is this a ha- kind of boat you're saying? Like no, really it's big not a bo-
1: boat because it's on the, under the rocks. Yeah, and you have a, it's like a train, but. It's oh, not a train.
0: okay. Okay.
1: Rails. Yeah. So, know, yeah. A...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and then train rails that goes with, with, with the wind.
0: Oh wow. Yeah, definitely send me pictures of that. <laughs>
1: like yeah, a sale I I, I I can share with you. And okay, these great. guys these guys will be training as well in so with some educational courses and to to they receive too many tourists and so mm. more and more and more to spread the, the word and and, and these jetties they are exactly on the on the mouth of the back lagoon where the dolphins are. Oh, so wow. you, can, you can watch the dolphins from the rocks and you're going to train these guys to explain more and more and more and more about the, the botanized dolphin population, how smart these animals are and, and, and the value to, come to, to conserve all the, the whole ecosystem. So, And this is one, I think it's one approach to engage people. It's talking and talking and talking and with the mobile application as well, and go into the internet, and, and we, we have uh, three videos or four videos that we, for one, two minutes, to, that we're gonna record and then broadcast on the internet and pay and pay for the internet to, to spread the word. So
0: wow. this will
1: com- communicate a little bit more with uh, all kinds of different publics that are connected with our project.
0: Wow, yes. I love everything that you just said. It's amazing. Education is just so valuable. I've said, I've been advocating for years that education is one of the strongest tools that we have, period, for saving pretty much any issue. And I'm, I love to hear that you are also focusing on the tourism industry. That's more of like my background as well as in conservation travel. And there's so much power in well-ran conservation travel. And so they could be your biggest allies as well. The guides that might be leading these tours, um, they can be ensuring, and they are also eyes and ears as well. So if they're always out with tourists, they can also be watching to see what's going on. And if anybody's breaking any rules and then really engaging and making people care, like why should this person from miles and miles or kilometers away care about the bottlenose dolphin? So that is awesome yeah and those videos yeah. whenever those are ready send them to me i will blast <laughs> them out as well
1: <laughs> yeah for sure for sure <laughs> we, the, the this uh the, the application for the for the this mobile application that that we are developing uh, we we will um train this group of peoples people to to use them and to be uh and to be uh, like a citizen science and, yes. survi- and surveillance, and surveillance. So, mm. this group of people that are connected with the marine life, with and lifeguards as well. That the, the lifeguards are all the time looking for the sea to report uh, by this mobile application to, to report uh, unusual behaviors of dolphins, the number of dolphins that are uh, passing through or illegal fishing as well. So this is, uh, this is one way to engage people, is to to give training and to give the opportunity to participate in the project. They, they, this will connect people, wildlife, and the research as well. This is our plan. I Let's love see. it.
0: <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, my <laughs> master's, one of my big master's projects, I did something similar um, where I built this very very basic app um, to record big cat data that as people were out on Safari. And so I'm so... I just love the idea of citizen science because it is very powerful for getting people engaged and to make people care. So... uh, But
1: but you should give... uh, uh, I think that I am really excited with this as well. And to have all this data to be uh, robust or to be useful for us we should provide training
0: for yeah.
1: people so they they will know how to use how to report the data uh it, you you know you, you you don't need to be a biologist to be a scientist, or to be part of a conservation project you can it's it's a it's just a kind of uh citizenship uh, just be a, uh, a citizen that loves the ocean that loves the ecosystem that loves nature and you can and you can help we're going to provide the um, the training and show you how to use the, the, the this mobile app for of course that i'm i'm just telling much more about the Rios, Bananas, dolphins and the, the the ecosystem here in brazil but a mobile application can be developed for any kind of, uh, of environment or situation.
0: Right. This is
1: this is something very good for the informatics, this, uh, you know, technology. It's, it's amazing oh. how they are doing.
0: Yes. Gosh, it's amazing. And that's another thing that I love about this so much. And I'm so glad that more and more scientists are opening their minds to the idea of citizen science, because, you know, there's so many papers out there that bash it. They're like, the data is invalid and blah, 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 blah. But just like you said, as you train the people how to use it, how to make correct observations, then, yes, there is obviously some sort of some things might be a little off. You know, there's always those outliers. and You're like, OK, we'll just sweep that under the rug. But for the most part, though, you have all of these eyes and ears that are way more places than you are. And then it becomes a long term wildlife study. That is what I love so much about it. So you'll have more data than you can possibly imagine about the uh, dolphin. So that is awesome to hear. Like I'm just I'm so excited to hear this because uh, I, I care personally about this. And I'm a big advocate for citizen science. And I did a very similar project, like I said, for my master's. So I've seen it work like it works. Um, And ah, oh, that is so exciting. So you'll definitely yeah. have to keep me posted as that <laughs> develops because yeah. I want to stay yeah. up to date on that.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. We are very excited for this. And then it's it's challenging, but it's very how um, I say this, but I'm, uh, I, 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 believe that we're going to succeed and, uh, and it's good. That's challenge, you know, it's just to take you out of your comfortable chair and situations.
0: Take you right on that comfort zone. Actually make some real impact.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, let's go for it. Let's go. That's wonderful.
0: Awesome. Well, Pedro, let's, I I like to, um, let's shift back to you for a little bit now and and get to know you a little better here. So in your journey so far, um, what would you say has been your biggest personal struggle and going through everything that you have and how did you overcome that?
1: Hmm, This question is very hard to answer. (laughs) It's a very good question indeed not sure if i have one like struggle but i what i can say about uh, about my my history in doing conservation with this animal is that at least in brazil it, that is a very hard uh, place to do science uh, i think that is you don't have uh you don't you don't have too much opportunities to to do to do the job that you should do about science and about conservation, and because you don't have finan- financially speaking, we don't have this uh, the support. Mm. This is one. Uh, how should we? I overcome this with persistence. I never gave up about my dreams and about what I think that's right. And uh, this is a general and uh, it's general, but I think that's the most uh, challenge uh, issue that I, that i faced along my, these 20 years now. Mm. And it's, it was difficult to to persist on time because, uh, and, and, and have all this uh, history and, and call and, and data collection and, and consistent surveys, having people together with you, training people, have other people involved and and sustain and maintain these people, this uh, research group together. This was the most challenged situation. It's not regarding the, the animals and not regarding the fishermen. It was regarding the research group to, to be here with people that were training and still here with me. With me, yes, mm. I think that this was the challenge, <laughs> the, the most challenged situation that well, I overcome. And uh, well, we overcome pers- with persistence to applying for funding everywhere and and suc- and have succeed in, in, in funding uh, applications. This makes possible to be here.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. And also giving you the platform, which this is one thing that I love. So I, I never, I will be completely honest. I never heard of the um, Willie Awards before. And that's how you and I connected. And the fact that they've also been so adamant on getting your name out there, that, I mean, I—that mm, that is just so special because, I mean, my platform is, you know, getting bigger and bigger as I grow this podcast but someone might listen to this a year from now and want to connect with you and who knows that might be an opportunity for some more funding down the road as your project is really starting to get its wheels underneath its you know underneath itself and and going so um yeah I love it persistence is key persistence is key
1: uh, <laughs> yes no it's it, it is because uh, it's 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 hard it's a long way <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's easy it's not easy but it's part of the game sometimes you to to just give up a lot of people give up because it's uh it's much easier to 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 to, to do another thing and, and and get your money and and live your life and it's part of the game as i said it's part of the game but it's um, Persistence for me is the most important thing along this journey, and this the the weekly awards. It's so important for me because they are not only giving money; they are training uh, people. They are making the the, our profile to the profile of the project to Mm. to be out there. Uh, shedding lights so, um, on the project international lights and and this i'm very, very sure that this will give us the opportunity to have more and more support and funding opportunities and it's amazing it's uh, it's amazing to have a film uh, narrated by sir david as well yes it's, it's, <laughs> it's that's a, a life goal like for everybody a, yeah, <laughs> it's like a dream for any any biologist yes. conservation biologist i never imagined this this situation and um yes and it's, uh, i'm i'm very very happy very happy with this uh, the support for the weekly foundation let's see the future and let's see how how you are gonna develop all this project if you succeed to reduce the bycatch of bottom of dolphins and to be connected with colleagues from South America, we are very excited to to start so we are now starting the project We are now wow. started
0: so exciting and that 's such an inspirational story as well to anyone because I think that sometimes because funding is so hard to get, just like you said doesn't matter the country. I mean, some countries, obviously, it's harder than others, too. But it's just, there's so much good and so much work that needs to be done and such a finite number of grants out there to help with all of this work that we want to do. So it's just so inspiring to hear you as someone that's been working on this for 20 years. And finally, you're like, I, I landed it, I landed that grant. And now we're going to do this massive project to save the species that I love so much. And Oh, it just makes me feel all <laughs> warm and fuzzy inside. That's amazing.
1: That's amazing. No, yes, yes, and um, I, I, I forgot to mention for you that during my PhD, I have traveled with, uh, along the entire distribution of the of the, like, the, of the dolphin. So I have visited all these uh, the the these uh, sites where the species occurs, where we know at least and collect some biopsy samples to, to do the genetic studies, mm. and to define the management units, to define the population, subpopulations. And it was so good experience to travel around Argentina and Uruguay and in Brazil and connecting with people that has, have your, the, same, the same dreams that you have, that are fighting for the same reasons, for the same purposes as well. And um, I think that this was, as, as well, some kind of uh, that gives me some energy mm. to move on. Uh, you know, and connecting people and, and, and sharing stories and know different kind of, uh, of people and visions about marine conservation, about the life. Because, I, I you know, it's, it's not only about marine or conservation biologists. You are traveling and connecting people and, 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 and listen beautiful stories about, uh, about the life and the nature. And this was one of the key steps, I think, that I just forgot to mention before. It's, have, you, have you been traveled to South America?
0: Um, so I actually, before the pandemic happened, um, I was supposed to go to Brazil. I was supposed to go to Pantanal. Mm-hmm. um, yeah. to, uh, go see Jaguars down there. And then of course that trip got canceled for obvious uh-huh. reasons. Um, I've been to Ecuador and the Galapagos. So that's about as far South on mm-hmm. this side of the globe that I've been, I've been all over Asia and Africa, but for some mm-hmm. reason I haven't really been down, um, to Brazil yet, which that's, that's like so high on my list. I need to go. I need to go to, to Brazil, Brazil. And I want to keep going down and go down to the Patagonia um, to see the mountain lions down there. Um, Because even though I live with mountain lions, I still have yet to see one. I don't understand (laughs) how this is a thing. So apparently I need to go halfway across the world to see them, which I'm fine with because I love traveling. (laughs) Uh, I'm fine with that. Um, But yes, so Brazil is extremely high on my list. I want to go all across the Amazon, all across the Pantanal um, and then it sounds like I need to go to your field site here and see some dolphins. <laughs>
1: yes, sure, 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 come here. And if you, if you come to Brazil, you know, and you know that here where I live, the casino beach, it's, it's a little bit different from the rest of the Brazil that maybe you, you have in your, in your mind because here it's, uh, we, we are more, it's a subtropical. It's, it's cold during the winter. Now it's nine degrees it's uh we it's raining it's completely different scene different uh, culture i would say we are culturally we we have a lot of in common with uruguay and argentina mm, a lot mm-hmm. of, because here i am uh, 20 kilometers from from uruguay
0: oh well that makes sense <laughs> that's not far
1: it's, no, it's, it's easier to go to Uruguay to, or it's, it's the, the, the way is shorter than to go to the capital of oh. my state. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what would you say then is a good piece of advice for any biologists out there or anybody who's wanting to follow a similar path to you?
1: Uh, be persistent. <laughs> Never give up and believe in your yourself and, and discover yourself and, and and be persistent because it's a long way it's not easy you should uh, be informed and uh, you should be informed all the time reading papers and reading what's going on outside and understand the vision of the, the different vision of people around you and and call the people to the process of the conservation otherwise you're gonna leave it's, it will be very hard to, to do the right thing. I think.
0: Mm. This is my
1: advice for now. (laughs)
0: That's good advice, that's great advice. (laughs) And how can somebody abroad, so say someone in the US or the UK or Africa, how can somebody else um, that might not be where you are help with the L'Heal-Botternosed Dolphin?
1: Support Causa, that's the organization in charge of this project. Cause uh, I, we we have a limitation now that we don't have a way to that there's not knowing a way to to donate uh, something or, or to, uh, on the internet we are working to do this uh, very very brief. Otherwise, you can just say some words for. For to support our work, it's not just only about about money. We are very open to to listen, to discuss, and to 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 have uh, idea from outside. If you are in the U.S. or in South Africa, or in, in in any part of the world that's not the Pats lagoon estuary or Southern Brazil, you can just share your thoughts and and support our project. I think that that is the the best way for now to to do some something for the La Rios Bananas dolphins. Indeed. That's
0: beautiful. And if anybody wants to connect with you, maybe they have an idea, or uh, maybe want to offer volunteer time. Um, how can somebody connect with you?
1: Oh, I can give you my uh, my email. So okay, you can, if you if you want to. Yes, that's <laughs> no okay problem that. at all. Yes, yes. Uh, or yeah. the call. The, uh, not sure. Can I? Should I spell it, uh, or I sh- I send to you and you?
0: If you Catch want to go right. ahead, since this is an audio format, if you want to just spell it, and then I'll also make sure it's in the show notes.
1: Okay. So my email is p-f-r-u-e-t-gmail.com. Perfect.
0: So pfruet at gmail.com. Yes. Perfect. Well, that's great. And of course, if anybody reaches out to me and they want to get a hold of you, I will immediately put you two in contact. So
1: Thank you so um, much for that.
0: Yes. Thank you, Pedro, for meeting me literally across the world and spending an hour of your day to talk with me. I can't wait to get this out into the world.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I should say thank you for, for the opportunity to be here, the opportunity to share a little bit of my story, a little bit of the lacrosse, bananas, dolphins, needs, and, and and all the what our research group is doing for the, the last 20 years. It's a, I'm very 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 happy to to be part of your podcast so when whenever you have the i don't know the opportunity again just call me and i can i can come here to say how all the project is 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 doing and and yes let's chat again yes thank you very much
0: i would love that let's let's stay in touch so that we can keep up to date on everything as this develops that would be wonderful
1: (laughs) thank you very much awesome thanks Pedro.
0: hey thanks again for listening to this episode of rewildology if you like what you heard hit that subscribe button to never miss a future episode do you have a cool environmental organization travel story or research that you like to share let me know at rewildology.com until next time friends together we will rewild the planet